Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. What up, young adventurers? Dylan here. On today's podcast, I interviewed Tony Shara. Now, he has an amazing record of working for first Tesla, then Apple, then Facebook, and then back to Tesla. And he talks about his journey of discovery. Along the way, he actually creates a program, goes into colleges where he helps young kids with new paths and new opportunities, teaches them and trains them to be service technicians for Tesla. And talks about how he gamified it from S1s to S2s to S3s and how they really create new opportunities for people who may be struggling in these positions, but with hard work, with dedication, with commitment and with enthusiasm and the willingness to be flexible could really open up their world of new possibilities with Tesla. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Tony Shara. How you been, brother? Good, good, good. I just, uh, busy. Um, we're, um, we're taking the success we've had with the, the, you know, the service side of the program that I've built and we're building, you know, an academy like program for both energy and manufacturing. Uh, so it's turning into one big umbrella organization with, with three verticals um, within it. So service, manufacturing, and, and energy. Um, so it's cool. It's a, uh, I think a lot of its proof of concept has really uh, resonated with a lot of people. And the results, obviously, are where you really get you know, further asks. And we've produced some really strong results, um, both just great technical you know talent has come out of this now you know our technician space um we've been able to raise the bar of entry-level technicians coming in could, could you explain just a little bit of kind of what you do like yeah so my role really is on the recruitment side of this so i'm, I'm more on the people side of things and so what mm -hmm. we do my what my team does now is um we focus on we do the process into the program so getting candidates into our program so whether it's sourcing or referrals or working with the host community college um that is hosting this or um and then on top of that doing um we handle the recruitment process while in it and mm -hmm. then the recruitment process out of it so what i mean by that is um there's no guarantees in the program. You just, it's really tough to build, you know, Hey, you got into this program, you've got a job, right? Things happen, life happens. People might be able to handle whatever they can handle. We then play, we work with them. We do resume workshop, interview workshop while they're in the program. And then we get them play, we have them interview and go through a placement process with a, one of our various service centers across the country. So, so we've got, go for it. So, so basically, this kind of snaps it, reflect back to you. Uh, essentially, you're, you're recruiting um, college kids and you give them an opportunity to apply their skills to really educate them on how to kind of build, repair Teslas, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then while they're going through this kind of uh, educational training at the college about how to build Teslas, you're kind of preparing them to possibly get hired uh, at a... Uh, Tesla facility. Is that correct? Yeah. So 
I don't like to say necessarily students and how we're not teaching anyone how to become a technician. We're teaching mm -hmm. them how to be advanced technicians, right? So okay. it's really difficult to teach someone how to be a technician in 12 weeks. There's just too much going on. Um, so the ideal candidate really is, and it's not always kids. A majority of them are people who have been in the industry and are coming back for a second career. Um, we have military veterans. So a lot, we get, you know, those who've been doing as a wheeled vehicle mechanic from for four, six, eight, however many years they've been enlisted in, in, in one of the armed services or someone who has graduated the auto tech program. Right. And so myriad of reasons why, but the main reasons is this 12 week program is like sipping from a fire hydrant. Right. It's a lot of information. So we don't want any sort of static, any other static in their lives going on. Right. Um, it costs them, you know, a tuition because it's a certification program through the school, but we're paying them while they're going through the school. So we're paying them a rate. They've got benefits. Um, they just don't have that equity. And the idea here is you've got 12 weeks to essentially secure a spot, you know, somewhere across the country. We try and play matchmaker or we try and keep them where they'd like to go. Um, but in that 12 weeks, they're learning or getting 80 to 85% of the in-class learning and hands-on training that most of our technicians get over a, a, span, a lifespan um, of their career. Right. So we're front loading them with all this knowledge or uh, pun intended, supercharging them up front. Right. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> it really isn't anything new or different than most automotive industry. We're just doing we've taken the approach where we're going to control it and really put more skin in the game. So it's our instructor. It's our equipment, it's our tooling, it's our cars, obviously. It's, you know, our, the, our cachet and the name, but, um, and then it's even our server, right? Because of the internet of things, our, our cars operate, you know, we build our own geofence. Our cars have to speak, you know, we have a big toolbox and garage that is all online that everyone uses. Um, and the beauty of it too is, you know, we're not on a dealership system. So the, you know, what you're doing in Los Angeles is the same as Miami, is the same as Chicago, is New York, right? We own all our service centers. So we're trying to, to create this like um, sort of pseudo mini service center that gives them ex enough exposure, training and confidence and ability to go anywhere in the country because we have such a need for them across the country. Well, yeah, imagine that like, you're saying that the technician, so um, Technician being, is that like a, kind of like a car mechanic? Is that almost like, yeah. So we call them technicians, so yeah. you know, but it, you know, you would for, for all intents and purposes, a mechanic, right? Yeah. Um, but we, it's gotta be entirely know, different though. Cause there's, there's no oils, there's no pistons, things like that. They don't fire the same yeah. way. It seems like. <clears throat> yeah, there's, our car still runs the same. It, it, cars run the same. It's just the mm -hmm. powertrain that pushes them, right? Mm -hmm. So there's still four wheels. There's still brakes, there's still suspension, there's still HVAC, there's still window regulators and door handles and you know windshield wipers and things of that nature. There's still um, sensors and diodes and wire diagrams and wire harnesses, right? It's just a matter of there, again, there is no, there's not a lot of mechanical going on. There's not a lot, there's no oil, there, you know, there's no engine, transmission, 
fuel tank or exhaust system now, right? So the um, we've built toolkits specifically for us that could get you, you know, 90% of the way through all of our, you know, what you need to do. And it's, it's almost like a suitcase, yeah. you know, not even a suitcase. It's like a small briefcase, whereas a mechanic needs a, you know, the cart you need to do just all the transmission and engine work is insane. Yeah. So, How much do they need to know? I mean, mechanical uh, engineering versus actual software and software applications. Like, do they need to know anything about code, code bases, and that stuff? It's more physics. No, not really. Mechanical. <clears throat> it's more the the. It's not even mechanical. More the mechanical piece is actually. That's one of those things that, that comes with repetition, and you hope you want them to hopefully have some exposure to mechanical. What we're really looking for is someone who's got a really good grasp on the fundamental electrical. And what I mean by that is nothing new. I'm talking Ohm's law, Watt's law, like wire diagrams, wire, you know, blueprints, you know, voltage drop, amperage, stuff like that. You know, Ohm's law is like, what is like a hundred year old law, you know, a formula. So um, having that really good grasp of electrical fundamental allows you to really troubleshoot and understand how this car works, but further just that's any car coming off the line right now, not just Tesla, is going to have 20 to 60 different computers. Um, so, you know, and then further you see, you, you hear about, you know, ADOS and, you know, autonomous driving application systems and stuff like that. Our systems are, you know, that is, none of that, all that's moot if you don't understand what, you know, all a sensor is, is a glorified, you know, just glorified circuit. Yeah. So, now there is no real true there's nothing crazy technologically advanced about it other than just you know maybe the battery system the battery technology now that's that's a little different but yeah, it's, it's 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 a taking the, the technology and streamlining it in a way that provides massive value very much like the iphone all in general the components were generally the same but it's the the uniqueness of how it was put together and yeah. and, the, and the value add that it had so Wow. Yeah, and just how things are packaged and, you know, the process you go about it. And then further, <clears throat> you know, now that you've got this, like, rolling mobile app platform, right, um, you have the ability to do... Rolling mobile app platform? Yeah, because it, it's a rolling mobile app platform. Like, it, it's a... Oh, yes. Oh, I get it. Your car is the app and you're... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Your car is a platform and it's got a computer in it and it's got a touch screen. You know, we just haven't really... You can add TuneIn and your Spotify. So you can host, a, there's, you know, a couple allowed applications that you are allowed to host on there. You know, you can watch Netflix in your car, right? You can watch, you can watch, so stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it is, it's a rolling mobile app platform. So there is a lot there. It is a little bit more technologically advanced in that scenario. Um, but it's also, you know, it's just, it's just packaged differently. And it's, um, has anybody you know, the, ever created, like, looking at, has anybody ever created like an external app that you thought was like innovative for the Tesla? Like, was there anything where like, someone... you know, there, oh man, there, there's, so what there are, are apps for managing your Tesla. I think there, are, you know, so for instance, um, I don't, I'm on my phone right now, but my phone <laughs> I like my, how you, you check know. your pockets to see where my phone was in front <laughs> of you. Totally get it, man. I've done that so many times. <laughs> you know, I'm like, a, uh, that's one of those things where I'm always like, where's my phone? 
Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, um, but we have, you know, your, your Tesla app um, tells you where your car, you can, you know, control a lot of the aspects, you know, change charging functions, open your car, lock your car, you know, drive your car, you can move your car to, you know, with a summon function. Yeah. Um, but there are some third party apps out there, people like for managing, you know, mileage, or there's even apps for, for that, uh, that take like, VIN numbers that are public to create like, hey, when my car is going to come out, like, let's say you buy a car and you know, it's going to be coming out like there's oh, apps wow. for that, right, that will like aggregate all the VINs that have been re- that are registered because one of VIN registers is public knowledge and it's on, you know, like a government database. So it's like people are like taking it's like, and then in this, you know, this you know, logarithm will literally calculate rate of delivery and rate of, you know, manufacturing and production, stuff like that. So That's incredible. I haven't really dug into like the third party stuff, but there are some, there is some things out there for, for managing your car. Yeah. Um, someone, someone was able to actually, I think, turn their, like, um, a, took a um, med device based chip that's uh that can be inserted like a biofeedback device bio biofeedback device yeah and um as there because your phone is your is your key you have a key you yeah. have a card it looks like a credit card that's also your your key mm-hmm. but um, at least on the monitor so like this is that's my key right oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but so is my phone so but i never pull this key out because my i just walk up to my car and i open my door i walk away and door locks so they took that same application in this biofeedback, you know, chip and inserted it wow. into their skin to have like, talk about, you know, it's like now my, my key is with me no matter where I go. Right. See, that's some, that's some strong dedication. I, I, that I, is I, a little strong. That is a little cultish. I will say. Well, <laughs> it's just it, it, highly enthusiastic. I mean, it's anytime that you start putting things in your body, it, you know, it starts to get interesting, but at the same time, things like that's like novelty it's a pretty cool novelty but it's going to start getting from novelty to actually like maybe if my heart rate goes up my car then calls the paramedics right you know you could have you can have totally you know like like, that you know and you know it is it is and especially with this group i feel like it's almost becoming its own subculture is is like these tesla fans like these elon fans because you know, he's, he's already trying to do that with Neuralink, right? Where, yeah. you know, using a mesh system to allow your mind to really like, you know, really dive into how do we use AI to make better decisions for ourselves? And it's like, you know, and I feel like if any, I'm talking to the right person, obviously, when I'm talking about this stuff, right? Because we're literally, you know, my relationship with you has always been based on on um the foundation of virtual reality right and, and, and smashing reality and you know smashing reality right like really yeah. getting into the forefronts of that so i had a, um, yeah I had, a, I had a dream one time and it was it was it was the dream of the elon future and it was this thing that popped in my head where like you get out of bed and i have the the neuralink in my head and it connects up to one of his sky satellites and i go come to me tesla and then it comes to me and I walk up to the Tesla door opens. I get in, I go, take me to my work. And then I go down the highway while I'm scanning the internet with my mind. And I drop down on one of those tunnels and I go through one of those tunnels and I pop out 
while everything is, it's, it's all seemed to be a lot of network based activity that he does. It's a lot of like infrastructure, like yeah. the Tesla is an infrastructure, the energy's infrastructure, the satellites are infrastructure, the tunnels are infrastructure. It seems to be, have you, have you, <clears throat> I mean, have you seen things like on the horizon? I know there's nothing you can talk about specifically, but are there things that like people, like, do you see a future like this? Is there things that you imagine? Yeah. Is there? Yeah, no, I, you know, you just, you can just take a look at what's already out there, you know, product wise, right? Like imagine, so for instance, we'll use a semi, right? And interstate commerce, right? And our, you know, our semi product is going to have this autonomous application to it. And on top of the safety. So the big thing is, I look at it from when you're thinking infrastructure, you're also thinking like you're creating efficiency and you're creating safe, uh, safer environments, right? Mm -hmm. So with that tunnel situation, other than, you know, a system going wrong, no one's ever going to get in an accident, right? Yeah. Similarly, let's say we had this whole network of cars, on, you know, that are autonomously driving and, and somewhat um, dotted line connected to each other. And it would almost be like polarizing magnets. You know, have you ever tried to push a polarizing magnet? 100%. And it just, and it moves, you know, try to connect them and it moves. Well, imagine every other magnet was polarized, right? And you're just like, every, so everyone shifts and moves within this, like, this, no collision. The parameters. So yeah. there's no collision, right? Yeah. Um, and then, so traffic gets alleviated because now if someone, you know, someone there, it's constantly moving and flowing because a car is like, Cars, you know, maybe it's picking up a reading that the car's saying, like, "Hey, um, this car's coming in at 70 miles an hour, so it speeds because electric vehicles have the ability to accelerate. If it accelerates to match that speed faster, or it's slowing down, and so everything is, you know, partial driver, partial this this system, this grid, right? That's how. That's what I like. That's incredible. I, in, in terms of the whole uh, like the autonomous driving side of things, I mean the magnet thing is is cool because I could I could totally see it's like a flock of birds, right? There's never any collisions. Yeah. They're always obeying the same types of rules, right? Simple simple rules in a complex design, and Fair so, and and you know, what about the ahead. autonomy? Like what about the autonomy of cars? Like like do you do you foresee like a future where like it's going to be full autonomy uh, or is that or because everybody wants to fall asleep with the cars like. Like I would love, like, I just love a future where I can sleep and the car can work for me, you know, like. <laughs> or, or more so than anything, do, you know, talk about, you know, efficiency, right? Go like get things done while, while in a car or what, whatnot. Um, you know, I think even someone like Elon is not going to want a hundred percent autonomy, you know, when it comes to, to, autom you know, one that just kind of takes some of the fun out of it all like people like to drive because they like to drive sometimes right some mm -hmm. people don't um further i think there's always going to be some level of politics at play that it will not allow that mm -hmm. right you know it's, it's, it's so it, interesting it, like the electric vehicle is scares the shit out of people it's like public voting it, like voting online like, yeah exactly <laughs> right right like oh no we can't make sure that everyone has access to voting like, yeah it's, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Them, right? it's dangerous yeah yeah totally you All know right. so but so there and that's the thing that i've learned in working with um the education system and schools and community colleges and high schools and k-12 it's like um 
it's not a lot of this stuff is not their fault yeah it's some of the systems we put in place yeah. right i come across some amazing amazing educators and instructors who work so hard at the boundary of red tape and that's it's not a ceiling it's tape that's holding them back right yeah. it's bureaucracy it's uh, you know, political systems that uh, at play that don't allow them to to change curriculum fast enough or you know really truly push push the envelope or um have a say in how money is spent you know in, you know in a school system um further it's you know, there's just like, there's still mindset changes that need to happen. And on top of that, there's, I think, manufacturers, you know, and big businesses in communities need to be shepherds in their community, mm -hmm. right? And I think they don't take that, that approach. And the ones who do might be too small to have enough power or money or resources to, to say that. Um, we've, we've really taken that approach is to try and be shepherds in our community every program school that we've got we're really trying to work with the school itself yeah um what we're is, really trying go ahead question like in terms of a path like so you're talking about being shepherds of a community and you're talking about um you know kids coming from maybe a disadvantaged youth you know coming up and essentially giving an opportunity to, to work at an amazing futuristic job on futuristic tech which is incredible um, and as a geeky gamer myself, sounds like a, a sounds like a dream come true. What do you think is the path? What would a path look like? And do you have like what does the path generally look like for these kids to come through? And do you have any actual like stories of of yeah. um, you know someone coming from a certain place and then ending up in a, in a great position because of this? Like, yeah, yeah, no, no. And I, uh, you know, first and foremost, um, to, to put some context behind this, I think we're maybe me not actually being in the technic being like a service technician or coming to technician role i really had to have this like i wanted to know right mm -hmm. and i asked i so i became part social anthropologist you know to figure out where my where like why the candidate population is made why, why its makeup is what what is you know why the certain demographics what am what am i working with what drives them, what motivates them, right? Because um, that really does determine, it's like kind of, it's marketing one-on-one, -on -one, like knowing your audience, right? I really had a, I had this very wanted feeling like I need to know my audience. I need to know, you know, where these, you know, a lot of these people are coming from or go, are trying to go so I can maybe build a program that really suits them, right? So that was what okay. I first did. And a lot of that was just banging doors, right? Going, you know, going to community colleges and, and talking to instructors and meeting with the students and, and asking them like, hey, what's your student makeup look like, you know? And so when you bring up disenfr disenfranchised, that is, the, that is the community college population for most parts, right? Mm. You've got a lot of kids who are in a, a, a crisis situation, which means like they don't know where you know, two thirds of 80% don't know where two thirds of their meals are coming from, right? Or they don't know where the next meal might be coming from. Um, you know, further, these schools, you know, there's a, you know, that it, there's a lot that goes on to it, you know, um, anyone who's got any sort of financial freedom whatsoever or wealth, right now, there's a stigma where their kid, they don't want their, there's been this stigma for the last 10, 15 years is my kid's not going to be turning a wrench right 
So no one going into these programs has already has the resources or means. So anyone who is in these programs, it's because either they're, they're first generation who's graduated high school and is going into a community college or, um, you know, to go to post-secondary school of any sort of nature or that, you know, their parents, you know, they're doing the job themselves. And so that's why they're, they're going to go into it as well. Um, so, you know, for instance, I'll, I'll give you, you know, a, a good, you know, a snapshot of like one of my class, my first class at, at Rio Hondo College, which is located in Whittier. Uh, Whittier, you know, city of industry, Pico River. So like, um, you know, Eastern Los Angeles, you know, more of like a gate, that gateway corridor, a lot of, you know, the school itself has got a cemetery on one side and a dump on the other, right? And it's nestled into this little hill right there off the 605 freeway. Wow. And, um, but amazing programs. And so the majority, that first class was, I had 10 graduates come out of that class. Um, all were, all were Latino, four were dreamers. And I think I had uh, three females, right? So, um, and the stories that, you know, most of them were, this was their first, they were the first one to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them were the first ones to graduate uh, post-secondary uh, education, what whatnot. Like I said, some, like four of them were, were dreamers, were, were under DACA, right? So they were brought here from another country or they, they were born here, but their parents were from another. What do you mean by that? So the dream, dreamers are, is a, is a um, uh, moniker for uh, any child who's born under DACA, which is the, um, DACA is a, so a child is born here in America. Their parents are here illegally, but they're born here. Got it. So that's what a dreamer is. Oh, thank you for clarifying. So, yeah. so four were dreamers, three were female. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, so it, you look at that demographic and, you know, and almost all of them had some sort of hardship in their story, right? One way, shape or form. Um, and so it really, and that is not uncommon in, in our program, but that's because that demographic of student, you know, that's the, the path that they've been put on as a, at a very early age, right? Mm-hmm. So we do get, it is, um, so in doing this social anthropology and doing our homework and really diving into what, what our pop- population is, it's allowed us to really focus on when we build programs, we take into tuition, we take tuition costs very seriously, right? We make sure that we have strong relationships with workforce agencies. We make sure that we manage expectations, right? I think first and foremost, a lot of people, why they're, you hear, you know, why people get disgruntled is lack of communication in any form of anything, right? 100%, yeah. Right? So when you communicate with them up front and you say, hey, this is going to cost this, there's no guarantees, you need to be flexible and you need to work hard, all right? Then there's no, there, it leaves them no excuse. Now, there are times where life just really throws them a, a curveball, right? And we take into consideration the beautiful thing is we get to adjudicate what's going on in our program because we own that program, right? Further, it's not a grade that they're earning, it's a livelihood. So we really wanna take this seriously. It, it's, it behooves us to make sure that they, they graduate and pass and get placed 
and know everything because then that just excel that becomes mission critical now our mission being accelerating society towards sustainable transportation so now we've got people out there who know how to work on our vehicles which continues to is mission critical right is accelerating our is is part of that mission um so there's so much more at stake for us um by having these you know, really investing in these students and these and these candidates, and I can't call them kids, even though they some of I feel like they're all my kids, because a good a good majority of them are you know coming back for a second career or are at community college because they were you know decided to like really change their life um, or were in the field for forever and finally decided to do it you know officially. Um, What's well, kind of so feel we, like? It's got to feel like, you, uh, like you've got to feel like a dad. I mean, in a way, because I mean, you hear the stories, you hear the pains, you're investing time, you're you're giving of yourself, right? I mean, it's like, it's, I mean, it's got to you got to feel. A oh sense yeah. Of both, both no, you do. And yeah, and you also have the frustrations. You know, you definitely <laughs> deal with the frustrations, and and that's um, again, that's where we we really take every opportunity to manage the expectation, right? And so you know, that the tough ones, the, the tough pills to swallow is you have a, a really great student um, who goes to the program, graduates, but because they weren't flexible or they didn't heed your advice and they can't relocate, we can't place them because we don't have like hundreds of jobs waiting for them right out. You know, I only open as many schools. I've only opened as many schools as I feel like demand has allowed me to. Now, as demand increases, we'll, we may consider that, but until I have a situation where I have, you know, a really crazy demand problem, I want to make sure that I've got an opening for every single one of my, my, my candidates. So, yeah, so we have these situations though, where, you know, everyone, not everyone who graduates gets placed because they can't leave their home. And sometimes that the reason they can't leave is because they've got, they're taking care of their whole family and they need to make sure that the end, they just, you know, somewhere in this process, it slipped that they didn't think they had to relocate. So that, that that's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. Fortunately, I have um, an amazing team, right? I have two of the strongest, uh, you know, project managers I think I've come across who I, you know, we've developed into project managers who are, you know, recruiters by nature, know the business. Um, have a strong sense of empathy and are constantly challenging the status quo. And so they bend over backwards to get creative and look for routes and alternatives. And for us, with some of our graduates, it's not a no, it's it might be not a right now. So we're going to hold on to you and we're going to figure out how we can maybe get you placed down the line if an opening does open up soon. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been an amazing experience. Um, you know, we, we have really changed some people's lives. We've, you know, we've got a girl who went through our, our first program, one of our first programs, and <clears throat> she, her story in itself was, was um, part of the reason, you know, one, she was already top of her class at, at the school, right? But she said, and we had asked why, what did you do? And she's like, well, I was driving back and forth from Central California to Southern California for some things. I was pregnant and I broke down on the side of the road and it was like, I don't know, her wheel or her, her, got a flat tire or whatever it was. 
she sat there and she was crying and was like, and then all of a sudden had this epiphany, like, I can do this. I can, I, I can do this for him. I can do this for my child, my unborn child. And literally pulled out the manual and saw how she could t change the tire. She changed the tire. It was like, if that's all it is, and like, and enjoyed it or felt a sense of accomplishment. And so went back to school and that's what she was doing. She was, when we got her, she had just finished she got her bachelor's in this. So uh, Rio Hondo is one of the few that has a bachelor's in, in, in automotive technology in this, you know, it's got a bachelor's form. But she um, she was working like 60 hours a week on top of going to the program, 40 hours a week. And I was like, that's 100 hours a week. Where, where are you finding all this time? She graduated close to top work class. She came out, went to, uh, became a, you know, was a, a high level technician at one of our, um, at our Tempe facility or Scottsdale facility, killed it okay. and was like, hey, I really want to go into, um, I want to go, I want to be an instructor. I've mm -hmm. gone through this program. And so she interviewed for an opening as, as an instructor that we had and she blew the competition out of the water. No formal instruction training, but we, we made everyone, gave everyone, you know, hey, give us a lesson plan, talk to us, through, you know, teach us about something. And she killed it and was a great instructor. And then, you know, was like, hey, I need to get closer to my family. And as a, but because of her background, because as a technician, you know, everything that she's done, she's now an assistant, she's an assistant manager at, a, at our Tempe facility. You know, and she's maybe three and a half years removed from the program. Wow. So that climb, that meteoric climb is all because of how hard she worked but the opportunities and access that we've given her and created, right? It, it needs to be a collaborative thing. She needs to have that. She needs the, the fire behind her, but then it needs the opportunity ahead. You know, fire into a brick wall isn't very helpful. So yeah, exactly. You know, and you could use every, you could go through every book imaginable trying to find that, right? You know, you could almost mix, you know, start, you know, start with the why you can go with a little Simon Sinek, you know, and you can go with, you know, all these other like you know driven you know how do you drive you know through and breaking ceilings and, and how to influence people by Andrew Carnegie or Dale you know and you can add all these books but it really is a it's a collaboration so it is a, it's like a collaboration um because it when we instruct and when we, these you know these are one these are former technicians who are instructors two they already work for the company so here we're also learning how we could solve an educational flaw. It is that like, you know, instructors, you know, generally don't have like their, some of them aren't bought in because they don't have a product that they can believe in, right? These instructors believe in Tesla, they believe in the product, they believe in what they're doing. And they're, they're, they're passing that tribal knowledge onto these students in a very, you know, structured way. That's so, well, and, and also that's, there's a, a couple of things there. One, you, you gotta, you gotta first believe and go on, go on that path. And the other one, the other one really is, there's nothing more. I mean, you talked about uh, disenfranchised or disadvantaged uh, kids at these colleges or young adults at these colleges. And there's nothing more disenfranchising than having a teacher who doesn't want to teach having someone who doesn't want to be there, who doesn't believe in the system, doesn't believe in what they're teaching, feels like it's pointless. And then they're just giving all that energy to you. And you're like, yeah. like, 
you know, it, it, it totally is. It's a total transfer of energy. I think that's a really great call out is it's like transfer of energy. Um, but in one way, shape or form, like sometimes it is, it necessarily isn't that you can only beat down on, on someone so much. And these instructors and some of these educators, they work with what they've got, right? And they work with what they've given. And so um, that's where we also see the advantages. We, we bring this cachet that Tesla has, like this name, and it opens up, you know, a realm of, of different things, right? Yeah. Um, further, it's just, uh, but it was, you know, built, now it gives them. Like you built, like, like in terms of like a cachet, it's not like, oh, I, I bought a brand and look how awesome the, the insert logo here is. It's like Tesla, the reason why you have a, such a powerful name is because of one, the product that you deliver and also the purpose that you have behind that. And that's something that like you got in really early into Tesla, didn't you? Like what was, yeah. like, can you talk to me a little bit about how you got, like, where did you come from? And then how did you get into Tesla? And then what was it like coming up into Tesla? Yeah, no, no. Um, I think, par uh, so I was uh, four years out of college, had been working, I was more than four years out of college. I'd been working in my technical sales and then got into recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. Through a fraternity brother of mine. So I was working at an agency where we were recruiting, I was mainly recruiting engineers. So engineers and engineering talent for manufacturing, um, for most manufacturing spaces, right? Um, whether it was toilets or PCB boards or whatnot, you know, or med devices. Yeah, um, yeah. And so one of the, you know, I naturally love to be able to like mentor. I don't know, you know, maybe it's just that how, you know, you grow up and then experiences and whatnot. So one of the, one of the newer recruiters, um, his industry was getting imploded. This was during 2008, 2009. So the automotive industry was imploding and he only specialized in automotive recruiting, right? And so his manager came over to me and was like, hey man, like, you know, you're super knowledgeable on engineering in general. You mind like, you know, kind of like um, learning up Aaron on some stuff. And I was like, hell yeah, man. Like, you know, so I got to know Aaron, realized that, you know, smaller world, um, and was just helping him along the way and developing a strong relationship. And it's one of those things like, you know, grandfather always, you know, grandfather, my father always said like, Hey, you know, treat people like lottery tickets. Like my mom has always said too, like treat people, you know, we always treat people with a lottery ticket. Um, and one day he was gone and I was like, what the, and <clears throat> I get a call like a month later and he's like, Hey man, I was like, dude, where are you? And he was like, hey, I'm at Tesla. I was like, Tesla like that that really like that fledgling, you know, electric vehicle startup, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, they asked me if I want to, you know, we, I need to build a team and who do I know? And I, I thought of you. I was like, I couldn't think of any, you know, not, not a lot of other people. So I was like, all right. And he says, would you be interested? I was like, yeah. Like, and I had an interest, you know, I definitely had an interest in um, vehicles already. And then on top of that, I was having, I had that moment where I was not really happy with what I was doing or at, where I was at. And the idea of being on the ground floor, you know, it's like how many, it was like one of those grab that moment type situation, like, like dare, dare to be great. So it's like, yeah. And so I went in and, you know, interviewed with his manager and then I interviewed again in person and I'm like interviewing at SpaceX, right? Because at the time, 
there was no other space. And uh, I just went guns a blazing and, and got the job wow. and started with Tesla. And so we started off, this was 2009, summer of 2009. We were working at SpaceX. We were working for Tesla at SpaceX. So I would walk through this rocket, rocket factory from the parking lot to get up to my office, right? Or to our office where we literally had, they had carpeted some space for us, you know, so that we could, um, we could work there while we were ultimately trying to find out where our factory's at. We had a small corner in the factory itself that we had like um, a surface plate on there with one yeah. of the uh, prototypes, like a the, like clay model or but like what you see when you think about, you know, designing a car, it's like, you know, they're shaving like clay and whatnot. So it was just, it was kind of like surreal. Like here I am working in a rocket factory building electric cars. Right? <laughs> Welcome to the future. <laughs> Welcome to the future, right? You know, I had like this like badge, you know, I was like, yeah. you know. I and swear so, I'm allowed to be here. Let me in, let me in. I know. And, um, and so, um, you know, I got to see like one of the first, you know, I got to be in the, in the factory when we did a, a launch. Right. So we were like watching because oh. mission critical was literally like, just wasn't built. So mission, so, or the mission, you know, room wasn't built yet. So it was like them sitting all at desk and everyone just, it was like someone holding a sign saying, just shut up, like be quiet. And so we watched, got to watch like this, like, Oh my God, I think it was like a GIS satellite that went over. Like it was supposed to, Hover over Malaysia and, and Southeast Asia to, to dictate weather patterns. So for rice property, for rice crops, right? I'm just like, this is insane. Like, what am I doing? Like, um, so just really focused on building the company out and like kind of getting my 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 bearings. Um, really enjoying the work, working long hours, and then they're like, hey, you've got manufacturing experience. We need to really start building out our manufacturing team. So started building out a manufacturing team and, and then, um, so, you know, top down type, type approach, um, trying to get people to move from Michigan and the Midwest, you know, even though they lost their job, it's so difficult to bring someone from the Midwest to, to come pay more money in, in California, right? Where it's like, no, you're not going to have a 3,500 square foot house on a quarter of an acre land. You know, but, you know, I got the Pacific Ocean right there for you. You know, I, I used to say, hey, we, it costs more because we pay a sun tax here. hundred percent. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, cold. yeah. Yeah. And so we um, started building out these teams and then the hunt for a factory started happening. And so they looked at a couple of places down here in Southern California and we were like 99% ready to do that. And then they made that deal with Toyota to buy the factory up in Fremont. And I, you know, my brother and I just inked, you know, just the ink hadn't even dried yet on um, buying a place in Pasadena so that I could be, we could be local, right? Because we were trying to do the smart thing and buy, you know, take a, you know, buy something in a really down market. Yeah, yeah. Um, so nonetheless, we, um, I lived in that place for eight months. Um, I think Drew maybe lived in it for a year. We rented it out, but, um, and then I moved up to the Bay Area because we bought this factory up in the Bay Area. Um, and, you know, it was really insane to see the company go, you know, we were, there were 17 of us in this like 
little office all sitting on these Ikea desks. Um, and then it grew to 45. And before you know it, there was a hundred of us and we're like, we're sharing Ikea desks because our budget was tapped out. So it's like one of those things where you're constantly waiting for more funding to be released or Elon would release more funds where, where we felt so like we couldn't buy any more desks. So we're all sharing one Ikea desk, so two to an Ikea desk, right? So myself, six foot, my manager, six, seven, sharing this one Ikea desk. Um, but that's how, you, you know, and we had like eight Walmart coffee makers in the, in the, in our pseudo break room because we didn't have like anything official. And so it was like every morning, you know, I get in there and we're, what's empty. All right, let's start making coffee and just continue to, everyone had this like rotation where they were always making coffee. Right. Cause it's like go juice. Right. Um, but you're, and then you've got this huge 5.5 million square foot factory. And I used to sell it as 5.5 million square feet of opportunity. Right. Cause it is. And, to see like one chunk of it and one part of it, we when we we had to get it commissioned, it was only we were only using like one fifth of it, and then to see it continue to grow and grow and grow, um, and so I kept you know doing that and you know working work you know grow in that factory right and take over a lot of that factory. Yeah. How many employees do you guys have now? Worldwide, we're somewhere north of fifty thousand, I think. So in 10 years, 10 years or so from the, from the, from the 14 to 17 to 50,000 is, is, uh, uh, we, when I came onto the company, we were, I think we were close to 400 employees total. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I started manufacturing, there was seven, yeah, there were 17 of us in manufacturing. So man in manufacturing alone, you know, for that factory. Um, so yeah, to see where it is now. Um, so yeah, I worked, you know, we built it out and I got, I would watch the car roll out. Um, but I was working just insane hours and was yeah. tired and just, now, you know, looking you, for something you, else. Were you told to, that you had to work those hours or like, what was it just, just because you wanted to, were you salary? What was the, what was the, yeah. So it was salary, hmm. but we weren't paid very well. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, stock options, you know, at the time weren't, you know, you, it wasn't enlightening you yet because it was still like, you know, like $14 a share or $15 a share. Um, and so we, I think you work because it was one of those things where people who joined Tesla were there for the mission. You know, they were there because they really want, they believed in it and wanted to believe in it. Um, you know, there, I had multitude of opportunities come after me you know, while working at Tesla. Um, and eventually I got to the point where I was tired. You know, you can only do those 75, 80 hour weeks, so many, you know, so many months at a time, so many years at a time before you're just like, you know, especially when you weren't even enjoying, I wasn't even enjoying life and I was really starting to get depressed. And, mm. um, and so- Even though you had a mission, even though you were driven, you just, even though you're driven, there you're still wasn't, like there was no 95, then 90, then 80. And then, so even though you're trying yeah, to give it, it your all. All, every, all of a sudden you're like, everything just becomes harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Right. So um, at that point, I decided to take another opportunity. Um, went to work for Apple as a contract recruiter, just because I didn't know what I was going to do. And, um, and realized like, amazing product amazing company right like 
talk about just a machine, but I felt lost. You know, I felt lost. I didn't feel like I, you know, I felt like I was, it just wasn't for me, right? I, I had a couple teams that I supported and that's all I did was support those teams. And I was never, but I was never a part, felt never a part of a team or part of something, nor did I really, I don't know, not necessarily buy in. I believed in the mission, but I didn't, wasn't bought in. With Apple? So, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so it was, it, like I said, I, I'm still a huge fan of them and still a huge fan What's of What's Apple's mission? Um, what is it? I can't, I can't, it's been seven years, so I, eight years. So, I, so that's the thing is I don't even remember, nor do I remember really like Facebook because then I went to work for Facebook, right? Because everyone was like, hey, water's warm over here. Why don't you come, you know, try some things out here? So went over because I had a bunch of friends who worked there and worked at Facebook. And again, one of those things, you know, inevitably believed that it was something that they were, you know, what they were doing was good. You know, like I was, I was getting some exposure to like, um, you know, you know, internet for all, right. And that, that project and them trying to create the, the you know, utilizing gliders in a, in a, in a second tier atmosphere to be the triangulation piece for at least providing 3g. Who's doing that? You know, Tesla or Tesla. Uh, Facebook, Tesla. no, Facebook, oh. Facebook was. So, um, I, I missed that one. Yeah, no. And so, um, that I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is like, and the whole like um, open compute project, I really love the idea of like opening up some of their stuff to outside, you know, designers and freelancers to like, to really get involved and develop some of the, you know, on their, some of their platforms. Um, and like, you know, just, and then also utilizing their data centers, right? Making like these cookie cutter data centers that everyone for everyone type of thing, right? Um, so I was, I was working, I was recruiting on a lot of the supply chain options for some of those projects. Right. But I just felt again, like I was lost. It was another number. And I felt like as for a social company, it felt very antisocial. Right. And, uh, um, you in their campus up on a hacker way. Yeah. I was off one hacker way. I was, uh, I think I was in, um, building 12 for a little bit and building four. So, the amenities are amazing, by the way, too. It's like yeah, I've I've been there. There's the there's it's, it's I a, think it's, I, a, it's an incredible campus. So I think my, yeah, I think I, I set you up with my buddy Joe. Did I set you guys yeah, up with my yeah, buddy Joe? Yeah, we got the tour of the whole area. My my favorite morning my moment was when I went to go use the bathroom. I closed the bathroom stall and it said uh, uh, Facebook the Daily Push and it had like news information in the bathroom. I was like, how efficient. How efficient while you're trying to go to the bathroom, there's information right there on the stall for you to read. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it was just, but again, it was like something about this, like, yeah, you, you make a good living and you work, get to work on some cool stuff, but was I fulfilled? Right. Yeah. And, um, and then an old manager of mine asked um, on the university team said, Hey, would you ever think about coming back to Tesla? And I was like, I would, I, I'd left because I was tired. It wasn't, you know, and I just felt like, you know, we were left there on, on an island, you know, to fend for ourselves a little bit. But yeah, I would, I love, I love the product. I love the mission. Um, I, I love creating things. I love building things. She's like, well, I got a role. 
you know, and I just said, I just don't want to be a recruiter. And she says, well, I've got a program manager role, building new programs, working with community colleges, trade schools, working with skilled trades. And I was like, I was like, yeah, you got my attention. Let's do this. And so she gave me an offer um, and was just one of those things where, you know, I took a pay cut, but I was like getting to do something new and build something from scratch and do it on my own. And so it was worth it. And that's where I had that epiphany where it's like, um, or I started to feel actual fulfillment, right? And I was like, this is what fulfillment in a job is. Like, this is what fulfillment, like your paycheck's nice. And it, I got, you need it to live and pay for things, right? And I've been able to, you know, obviously accumulate enough to, to buy things that I need and provide for my family and provide for my kids now. Um, but I'm, at the same time, I wake up feeling like I'm not, oh shit, I got to do this again today, right? I love what I do. It's not, there's no grind. And when it is a grind, um, something slaps me in the face and reminds me like, hey, this is just a lot more, a lot bigger than what you think it is, right? Um, and so now, you know, we really, you know, and to also believe, to validate your, your belief in a company, by seeing some of the success and seeing, you know, the stock price rise and more products. You know, I've, I've been a part of a company. I've been a part of every single product launch now. Right. So to see like every product roll off and be a part of the company and watch it roll off, um, you know, and the adoption of electric vehicles and the adoption of infrastructure. Um, and then to use that platform and to use that, you know, Tesla is very much of, you know, um, just because it's been done for the same way for 90 years doesn't mean it's the right way, you know, and they really do believe in meritocracy. And it's like, if you see something you want to change, start, you know, change it. And then, and then, then put together a, a proposal as to what, what your results were. And we'll see if we want to continue to move forward with it. Right. But that's really how it is. It's like, you see a role that you want to do, you start doing that role really change, you know, the landscape. And as long as there's a value add, you know, Tesla's all for it because we really try and bring as much in-house as possible. So, you know, that the, the architecture and adoption of this program that, that I'm um, so heavily involved was, there was a need, there was, I wanted to work with community colleges and trade schools. I was working with these kids and trying to, to get them more injected into Tesla. Service training was like, hey, how do we like get rid of this training backlog? We have so many people we need to train and we, we kind of were like bumping our heads together and I, you know, I, I can't take any credit. It was like, you know, these two, these two guys, Marty Thomas and Nana Donzo, like who were like, we want to build our own thing. How, how do we build it utilizing some of your programs? And so we built the start program and we tested it out and we broke a lot of things and figured out what works. And that's also where we really started working, realizing really taking the students background and demographics and why and where they come from and why it's so important how we train and how and we're cognizant and conscious of that right so it was really important for us to make sure that we made sure they had enough hours each week and enough pay that they didn't have to go work a second job right further um, really wanting to make sure that they understood that we're gonna we're here for them and we want them to succeed because how many opportunities are out there where you can you know go 12 weeks and double your pay right yeah so so you know some of these kids were going from 14 dollars an hour to 28 dollars an hour 
right? Because because this whole meritocracy, this whole like work harder, you know, your scores, your leveling, um, you know, we also took, you know, we approached it from like a, like I said, in class learning, on, you know, in lab, hands-on lab work, one-on-one -on -one observations with an instructor, and then, you know, in-field observations. So they would do like a rotation at service centers nearby, and we'd get feedback from some of those service managers. So we threw that all into to it, and it allowed us to really come up with a very, as a concrete possible way of, of determining if someone was going to be successful and at what level they were already at. So we could set that trajectory. And so you would get a, you know, you get a range, but um, it's, you know, it's been really awesome to see the program evolve and grow. And um, like I said, now at eight program, eight schools across the country, um, you know, and then now we're building it for energy, building that same academy-like style program for our energy pro, for our energy installation, as well as for manufacturing. And that'll kick off um, at Aust out in Austin. Um, but that will, once that's built and established and, and running, then we'll, we'll bring that back to Fremont and to Reno and to Buffalo where we have our factories there as well. So that's, that's beautiful. It's called, the, is it called the start program? It's called start. No acronym. No, there's no acronym behind it. It's just start. Um, because Elon doesn't like acronyms. Um, I already got a little, I got a little, uh, uh, free willy on the acronyms over there. And, uh, I think I, I heard about that. There's like a, a, a big declaring, no more acronyms, right? Like, yeah, little... it's just, it, you know, it's just, uh, so yeah, we're, we're creating its own umbrella. So start yeah. is becoming its own umbrella. Um, the only, the, the thing that's kind of testified is like the A has a little electric bolt, you know, little bolt, bolt. Yeah. in the in the a itself so what's cool about this and here's what i like about this more than anything because a lot of this the what this you know what this podcast is about and what this all is about is turning life into a game and and really what the what the game that you created you created this little micro challenge hey 12 weeks we're going to give you resources we're also going to create challenges we're going to give you mentors and we're going to give you a path to follow and that right there, and, and, and then an opportunity to level up after that to get out the gate. And really, you really took this, took these people to go, hey, do, do, do you wanna play the game of Tesla? You wanna get in here and play? Great, here's the challenge. The challenge is you, gotta, you start at week zero and you've gotta go through it, but you, you need to have, but you gotta show up. You can't just, you can't yeah. just passively watch by. You're not gonna like, it's, you know, this isn't, um, uh, another type of college class where you can just kind of seize, get degrees. It's like degrees is, is the score means nothing unless you go and actually get a job afterwards. Because it, this is all about like, there is a, the Holy grail at the end of your thing is you could go and get a job and you can go to say Austin or any of these other places and actually be a part of a company that is trying to, as I think you said it, um, accelerate society towards sustainable driving. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, it's, it, if you were, you totally would look at it as like a game, it is, this is, this is your opportunity to go through 12 levels mm -hmm. to level up. And then what your career is, you know, afterwards, that's like, you know, Contra 2, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I mean, like, or it's like Super Mario Brothers 2 or Super, you know, like you, I'm, I'm going to well, use the games that, that I, I grew up. I played Contra. I remember Contra. You know, like, you know and so it's like, 
Yeah, it's like up, down, up, down, up, fire, up, fire. You know, everyone still knows. Like start. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, dun, dun, but it's like dun, dun. when you played when you played the second version of a game, you already knew. You already kind of knew everything you needed to know. You just now had to. You now it was it was going to be a little. It was a different environment, different you know strategy, different. But you had like an idea. Like you knew. Like, like when you first played Super Mario Brothers, it was like wait, what the, what's that shell? Like, why is that coming out? Or what are those, do I need to get those coins? Or wait, that's a, is that, that's a portal. Oh my God. I didn't realize like I could go down that, that tunnel, that tube. Right. So now you go and play two or you go play three, you know, that some of these certain things are already there, right? You've, you've already developed that baseline of knowledge and now it's going to be a different environment and you can excel and, you know, further as you go along with your career. So, you know, just to, I'm trying, trying to game. hundred percent, man. I'm, I'm there with you. And I agree with you. you. You've got the vernacular, you know, what's going on with it and you know how to play the game, right? You know, show up, work hard, meritocracy, be creative. You, 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 you get paid if you actually put in, if you're willing to play, but you gotta, you gotta be willing to put in the effort and then you gotta, you gotta keep up to, to, to really, excel in the sport because you're playing with a bunch of it's now you're not no longer in the in the minor leagues you're stepping up into the majors because yeah. it's now you're playing with a, other, a bunch of other people that are willing to go full tilt into tesla because it's all they're all dr a driving force in that direction yeah no and so it really, really the idea too is is everyone coming into the company now is going through so every entry-level technician now it's almost they come through start right so uh, are we have five you know degrees of, of of five levels at that technician level it's s1 through five almost uh, almost 100 percent of all s1s and twos who go to work in the field come through the program now so it is like you go first if you want entry-level people you go to you grab them from start the only people we're really hiring out externally are s3s who might have been a master tech somewhere else and then S4s and 5s are people who have been working at the company and have been leveled up. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to take this focus where there's only one entry point externally. Everyone else is coming from some, is either coming from within the company or coming from a company-based program. Vertical um, integration yeah. of people. That's you know, and so that's the, that's the same, that's the approach we're really trying to take with Austin on all levels. You know, we've got so many amazing workforce development programs and I get to work with some really amazing, smart people. who are very driven who, you know, believe in the mission who also, um, the, the common denial is like when we build these programs, it's cause it's the right thing to do, right? Yeah. It is the right thing to do. It's like prepare people to be successful. They will, they will in return, you know, produce for you. And then on top of that, you reduce, attrition you create a culture you set people's trajectory a little higher a little faster there's also some value add in people who don't get through the program and they wash out it's like that was a bad that was a bad apple right that person is not Good filter there. yeah 100%. it's a great filter yeah. like i love i love the fact that when i you know people are like why aren't you at 100 percent? it's like i don't want to be at 100 percent. if i'm at 100 percent, the program's not doing its job so what advice would you give to like a, a young kid who wants to work at Tesla, maybe through the service center? Like what, if they're, if they're interested, like, Oh, this is great. What would you say? Um, <clears throat> I think I would say, find out what you're passionate about first. Like, do you really enjoy building things? Do you, 
you know, do you enjoy like taking things apart and figuring out how things work? Right. Or do you enjoy working for whatever it is that you, there's that opportunity at Tesla. You just got to know what it is you're passionate about. And I think um, that's what I would say with Tesla. It's like, I'm not, I'm decent with my hands. I can build a lot of things, but you know, I don't work on cars for a living. Right. I work with people for a living because, and that's what I do best. Right. So you know, I'm not an engineer by any means. Do I understand engineering and physics and a lot of uh, the things that go on? Yeah, but that's that's a make that's a product of my that's a byproduct of what I do. I hire technical people, right? But I like working with people. I like being in front of students, and I want to engage students, and I want to lift them up, and I want to show them there's opportunity. So that when I say be passionate about what you know, find out what you're passionate about, and then that's the path that you go. And I pretty sure Tesla will have it. Like, even if you're really passionate about food, we've got, we've got people who cook for thousands of people, right? We've got, you know, our factories are, you know, have full on kitchens and stuff like that. Right. So um, there is a role for, for a lot of people at Tesla. It's just, you got to be passionate about what it is that you want to do. And I think that's in general, if, kids were you know guided on their passions and what it is that made them passionate and then we embrace that and then put them on that track to being more passionate and continue to work in, a, in that in that field like then their ability to make impact sooner is exponential right further you know they might not go to a school or go do something that their parents told them to do and then they are now you know, there's this new thing, 26 is the new 18, but we have kids who go through college because their parents or someone else made them go through college. They get a degree, they realize they don't like what they're doing or they're not passionate about what they're doing. So then they got to take like a couple of years to figure it out and they're back to square one, but they're going into like a trade school or going into a career technical education program, you know, or developing video games, right? Yep, so. Yep. So it's like, it's one of those things where had you been, had your passion been embraced and there was a track and a school or a structure or an institution that pushed you along that track and realized, no, you know, Dylan, Dylan's in this development and building, you know, outside of the realm of, of reality, we need to embrace that and give him the resources to do that as a young boy and as a, as an adolescent, as a teenager, you know, all about it, man, you're cultivating the passion and just finding, finding what, cause if you find that passion, it's that engine, that driving force that pushes you into the direction, whatever you excel at, people will hire you. If you're deeply passionate about it and all of a sudden, you know, oh, man. You put a rocket engine on your car. Well, Tesla's going to come and knock it, you know, they're like, Hey, you seem to be passionate about this. What's going down? You know? Yeah, no, totally. It's like, you can't, there's things you can't teach and there are things you can't train. Right. I feel like work ethic and passion are two of those things. Right. But I, I also feel that those times, those kind of go hand in hand too. Right. Because if you're passionate about something, it's not work. Right. A hundred percent, dude. I so it yeah, doesn't yeah. seem like a work ethic to you, but to someone else is like, man, that person's got a work ethic. No, you're just, you're just obsessed. You're just obsessed. You're like, I you're do just it. obsessed. I love it. You're just obsessed. <laughs> so, I love it, man. Um, so 
let's do this. Um, we're coming toward the end of the uh, thing. We usually go for um, uh, about an hour. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? How do they reach out to you? If someone wanted, whether it was a school. Yeah, you, uh, so, um, you know, most professionals will reach out to me on LinkedIn. Okay. Right? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm probably got, I think I'm, I've reached or close to like 10,000 connections. And that's just because the nature of being a recruiter at a, at a, at a really big name company or multiple big name companies, everyone, oh, wants, how, yeah. how do I get a job? How do I get a job? How do I get a job? Like, can we get in? Right. So, but for the most part, I, you know, that's a great way. Um, people can find me on Instagram. They can find me on Facebook. What's your Instagram handle? It's Tony James Shara at Tony James Shara. So, um, I'd give my, my, my email out, but I, I already am like, I think I'm like 50 emails deep today that I haven't answered. So it's like, oh, good. we have to say a middle name. <laughs> yeah. I love so, it. so yeah, so, you know, they can reach, they can reach me that way. Um, perfect. Um, no, you know, or, or through the, or through the podcast and, you know, yeah. you know, Hey, if someone yeah. wants to, to reach out, you know, yeah, no, it's all perfect. Yeah. LinkedIn, Instagram, that'll work. Beautiful, man. Well, hey, Tony, thank you, brother. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you creating opportunities for kids, man. And turning, turning work into a game, making things a bit more fun. And also, again, accelerating society to a sustainable uh, uh, driving. Is that what it was? Accelerating transportation. Society? Transportation. Accelerating society to sustainable transportation. So it's a noble and beautiful mission, and I love the way you go about it, brother. So uh, best of luck with uh, everything you got going on, man. And uh, I look forward to... Uh, hanging out with you in person at some point. Likewise, likewise. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. See you, Tony. Take care, brother. All likewise. Right. Bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.